0: Series 5 of In Suspense, a podcast and vodcast for fans and writers of crime fiction. I'm Lesley Cara and my co-host is Lauren North.
1: Hello and welcome to our mini episodes with writer and psychologist Philippa East. Hello Philippa. Hello, hello. Philippa is the author of psychological suspense novels Little White Lies, which was shortlisted for the CWA New Blood Dagger Award and her latest release, Safe and Sound. Alongside her writing, Philippa works as a clinical psychologist. So each of these episodes is going to be about 10 minutes long and focuses on the issues that most of us face um, at some point during our writing life. So uh, let's get cracking.
0: Welcome to our third minisode. Today, we're talking to Philippa East about coping with public speaking and networking events. Something that while authors don't do on a day to day basis, most of us at some point will find ourselves attending and, uh, you know, doing a book launch with other authors or on our own. And so this is a great episode for somebody who struggles with nerves about public speaking or being sort of on display in front of people.
1: Absolutely, um, and as you say, it isn't day to day because most of the time we are just sat at our desks alone, um, and so that can, I think, exacerbate any nerves you do have. Then about going out, um, it can just be so daunting. I think for so many of us, and I think it's something that's been even exposed a lot more through the lockdowns because we've then really, really shut ourselves off. Um, so, Philippa, thank you for joining us again, and oh, my question is um so humans are generally considered to be sociable animals so why is it that some of us struggle more than others or some of us struggle sometimes and not others um with attending um events where we've got to talk to other people and even like talk in front of other people as well
2: Mm. yeah i yeah i think it's a really good question i think yeah there's this general sort of sense that as humans, we are sociable. I mean, we don't live as no, we don't live as hermits. You know, we do generally live in communities and societies, and we have done for thousands and thousands of years. But I think that um, uh, in terms of, you know, social events, social interactions, and why they can be stressful, I actually think there's two slightly separate things that, that are going on here that is useful to maybe separate out. One is, I think, the personality trait of introversion. Introversion is the opposite of extroversion. And that's, something slightly different from the pressure or the anxiety that we might feel in a a social situation where um, we're anxious about talking to people or we're having to give some sort of presentation or or be kind of the center of attention in in, um, a panel or something like that. And those two things can, can overlap a little bit and connect, but they're actually two separate things. So for example, I'm generally very confident with public speaking and generally kind of with social interactions um you know talking to somebody at a party or whatever but i'm a huge introvert and people sometimes misunderstand what introversion is they can think it's a sort of form of social anxiety or shyness and 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 it's it's that people are just feeling anxious in social situations um but actually it's something it, it is quite different it's basically this idea that Introverts um are can be very capable with social interaction, very confident, but they find it draining, that their physical, emotional, and mental energies is drained by social interaction. And that's the, the um different to extroverts who generally are kind of enlivened and energized. But introverts need the way that introverts recharge is being on their own. And when they don't get that time on their own, they can become sort of frazzled and, and stressed and it can become quite quite difficult. So I think lots of authors are introverts because I think there's a number of reasons. One is writing, like you say, is a pretty solitary profession. And if you can't deal with your own company and being alone for long stretches, you probably aren't going to you know enjoy being a writer. Also, I think intro- introverts can often be quite good observers, because they're not always kind of throwing themselves right in the middle and, you know, being the the kind of performer or talker at a social event. They're often very observant, and and we know that being very observant is is great, you know, for writers. So one part of it, I think, is introversion, which is simply that it's very effortful and draining and tiring to be in social contact with people for for a lot of writers. Not all writers. Some writers, of course, are extroverts, and, and lots of people are kind of in the middle as well. And then the second thing is more the the, so, the sort of anxieties that come with things like public speaking. And if you think about what public speaking is, it's basically standing in the middle of the town square, having the whole community judge you and, and watch you. And again, as, as humans, that's something that we find very stressful. It's very exposing because fundamentally, if your community judges you negatively, they can chuck you out of the tribe and you will die in the wilderness by yourself. So again, it comes back to in our brains, life or death. So at some level, when we get up and give a presentation to an audience, little part of our brain is going, if I get this wrong, I could die. again it's very easy for that to trigger anxiety and then if we think about networking events they can potentially combine both there's this there's the kind of challenge for an introvert of just getting out and socializing and the kind of energy that takes but also trying to you know talk to people that you may not know and feel that you're being judged and wanting to get make a good impression it ties in with that kind of anxiety about our community judging us and the, the fear of ostracism Mm. So a lot to contend with.
0: Yes, that's really interesting. And I really identify with some of those things because I'm an introvert as well. But I always describe myself as a gregarious introvert because I, I, I don't mind public speaking and I'm quite sort of happy to do that. But as you say, I do find it draining and I need my own company afterwards mm. to sort of recover. Um, okay. And I, of course, I was lucky because I used to be a teacher. And so any nerves I had about standing in front of people were kind of ironed out during teacher training when you have to sort of <laughs> stand up and do teaching in front of you know people and be assessed and everything. So I think mm. it also depends on what your previous job was in how much confidence you've got at, at, at standing up. But um, I was wondering if an author knows that they've got an event coming up what what are some of the things that they can do to prepare for this and make sure that it goes as well as it can go?
2: Yeah. So, again, I think it probably depends a little bit on the type of event. If it's an event that's going to be challenging for you in terms of introversion, there's certain things that would help with that. If it's an event that's potentially going to be challenging in terms of anxiety about social anxiety or anxiety about public speaking that's going to be slightly different as well so on the introvert side I mean I have to think about this a lot because as I say I'm a massive introvert and you know I've kind of it's learned over the years what's helped um one of the one of the like easiest ways to know if you're an introvert or not is to ask yourself have you ever been at a party for a long time and you've just had to go and take a time out in the toilets classic introvert behavior basically and I used to do this and never understood why but it's basically just we're just needing to get this time out on our own so what I would generally say is um you can prepare and try and set things up so that you will have these timeouts during an event and that can be you just be going to the toilet and sitting in a cubicle for like 10 minutes and just be on your own. (laughs) You can do that or pretend that you just have to slip out and take a phone call, that kind of stuff. Sometimes I say to people, you know, it's okay if you want to leave an event early, you know, you can just call it, call a halt at half nine. And even if other people are going to be going on, if your battery's pretty drained at that point, just, just call it an early night. You can make an excuse about feeding the dog or whatever you need to do. So I always say just just make up excuses or even just tell people that you're an introvert and you have to go home now <laughs> um so I think um I think yeah just kind of knowing that if you're going to be in a social setting for an extended period just try and put some practical things in so you can get away that you can have that alone time knowing that that's what you're going to need as an introvert and also planning like you say Leslie that recuperation time afterwards you know if you've got a big event on one day try and make sure that you've got breathing space and alone time and a quiet day the next day it's not always possible possible but you know not not expecting that you can just go from one social event to another to another to another just because other people can introverts don't do that well the same way if you told an extrovert to sit alone at home for four days straight they would go nuts so they need you know it's all right just how we're built um I think in terms of you know like network events and things if we're kind of nervous about Meeting new people, talking to new people. Maybe you, you guys. Uh, I think you probably do this. You know, try and see if there's someone that you know that you can meet up with beforehand. You know, there might be someone you've connected with on Twitter, even that you could just, you know, meet them at the train station before you go. So you've got a little wing, wing buddy with you, and 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 that kind of thing. Um, the other thing that I think is a really useful tip when we're at these kind of social gatherings where it's kind of standing around in groups and chit chatting. And when you have social anxiety, you can feel a lot of pressure as to what am I going to say? I have to, you know, contribute. I have to make a good impression. Actually, in, com- in group conversation, the role of someone who's just present but listening is a really important role. And people don't always think about it, but they value that role. We need listeners in the group just as much as we need talkers, because if everyone was talking, and, or someone was talking no one's listening I mean that's going to fall apart pretty quickly so you can just say to yourself Do you know what I don't have to be the talker I can just be and lots of authors are really good at this I can be a really good observer I can be a really good listener and just you know again if you don't know what to say you can always ask the other person about themselves and that usually get them off talking and again not putting all the pressure on yourself to be the one to to drive the conversation or hold the conversation up just chuck that on someone else in the group who's happier to talk Um, and then in terms of things like you know author events like panels or giving a talk I think the first thing to say is actually if you're not comfortable with that kind of promo you don't have to do it I mean I know that there can be a lot of pressure because it can be a good way to get out there but if it's something that's really going to stress you out and it's just going to make you miserable having those kind of events you know it's it's okay not to have to do it and I think, you know, other little things that can help maybe make it, if you are going to do something like that, making it feel a little bit less pressurized is maybe like I I never do the thing where I just stand and give a talk about myself. Because I think that's really hard and you can feel like a bit of a muppet just being like, I'm an author and I'm brilliant and buy my books. And so what I often try and arrange is to have someone interview me so that they're the one asking the questions and it's more conversational and I don't feel so much pressure to be the big entertainer um or you know if you're doing something like a book launch you don't have to give a speech you could get a friend to just give a, a speech on your behalf so any ways that you can you know reduce how much time you spend in the limelight or, or how much responsibilities on yourself even if you're still going to be present and you know show up a little bit
1: mm-hmm. that's brilliant advice um yeah, I, like, I really like that advice. I think um, can, some really useful things. Um, but let's say that I've done my prep and I've done everything I can and then I've gone to an event, I'm on a panel and there's way more people than I was expecting. And I thought I was going to be OK and I'm not and I'm backstage and I haven't got time to go and have a timeout and I'm really nervous. Is there anything, is there like a quick fix? Have you got any useful quick fixes for anyone who just really gets hit with that anxiety when they're at a, a networking event or a panel?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that is really difficult, you know. Um, I mean, I think this might not be possible, like you say, if it's, if, you know, you're literally about to go on. But if there's any chance of saying to the organiser, look, can you just give me five minutes? Like, you know, do, do we have any kind of breathing space here? Because I think then if you can just, you know, it can help just to be able to get away from the you know if you're like literally standing at the edge of the stage, that's a pretty triggering place to be. And again, I'm my my sort of thing is always like get to the toilet, like <laughs> the cubicle in the toilet is your friend. It's not the most pleasant place. And there might be somewhere else that you can go that's also a quiet space, but usually there's a toilet. So one thing might be if you can say to the organizer, look, can can I just have a couple of minutes just to compose myself. I mean, they're not going to want you going on in a tiz. But that, that, of course, might not be possible. Or in the moment, you just might not feel able to ask. It's quite a quite an assertive thing to have to do. Um, but I think if this, that's not possible and you're really on the spot, I think the thing to focus on most is techniques to calm the body down. Because when we're super anxious, our body will, be, will have gone into basically threat mode, like fight, flight, freeze mode, which when we're in that mode, Our cognitive abilities, our abilities to reason, our abilities to verbalize, our abilities to reflect, our our abilities to self-soothe are massively compromised because, again, going back to evolutionary psychology, if a lion is about to jump on you, you don't want to be thinking, what species of lion is that and what's the velocity of the movement, you know, that needs to all shut down so your body is just able to, you know, run away or do whatever it needs. So. You know, when we're in a high state of anxiety, our mental processes are just completely buggered, basically. And all we've got is a like a, a fear response in the body. So if we can focus on some basic techniques to just try and calm the body down, and that can be simple as just get the breathing slowed down, deep breaths, whew, exhaling, getting the carbon dioxide out of your system, because that just helps flush out some of those, that some of that andre- adrenaline. Um, sometimes, just really paying attention to try and relaxing the muscles. We get into that when we're in that threat mode. We're really tense because it's the fight or flight response. So, just trying to re- relax those muscles, which again will give feedback signals to the brain: it's okay, it's all right, there isn't a threat. So we can basically. Do things in the body to give safety messages to the brain, because trying to reason our way into a sense of calm is very difficult to do in that moment. So just body, body, body. Um, And the other thing that you can do again, which is a body move is a way of kind of feeding a sense of confidence to your brain rather than terror. <laughs> is what we call power poses, which is standing in a position which in the animal world is a position of dominance. Exactly, Leslie. So uh, I will give you some examples. So it's basically poses which take up space because that's dominance in the animal kingdom. So it's a wide stance with our, yeah, we can put hands on the hips, which is kind of like this. Legs, you can't see my legs, but legs <laughs> apart, rather than this position, which is the I'm a victim, I'm prey, please don't eat me pose and if you if it's not too obvious no you can even do like you can do this in the toilet you know like literally like this but even if you're standing at the edge of the stage waiting to go on if you're standing like this no one's going to think that looks weird but already you're just giving your brain the information I can do this I'm in charge I'm in control I'm all right I'm not under threat I'm not a target here so some really simple things that maybe you can do that just to calm the system down a little bit
1: fantastic advice that
0: is such good advice actually there is um just to let people know um, there is a podcast and a book called how to own the room I don't know if any Mm. of you have come across it by Viv Groskop which is about sort of getting over fears of public speaking and how to own the room or you know wherever you happen to be and you know lots of those things that Philippa has just been talking about Um, she she mentions as well. And what you were saying earlier, Philippa, about being a good listener in a group, that can also help when you're on a panel as well because I think mm. sometimes the fear yeah. we're so worried about what we're going to say next that we actually sometimes don't listen to what the other panel members are saying and that can be really embarrassing so that yeah, listening yeah. And just enjoying what's happening can actually make you calm down as well so brilliant. yeah
2: and maybe if you if you listen to the other panelists when it comes to your turn you can just be like oh I just thought that the point that Leslie made was absolutely spot on i would just agree with everything that she said
1: <laughs> i'm just gonna, i'm <laughs> gonna use that for our event leslie in um, february but also
0: what you were saying earlier, Laurie, about people on Twitter and online, you know, reach out. If anyone's sort of nervous about doing something and they know they've got an event coming up or a book launch coming up where they've got to speak or say something, let people know on online and people will support you. People will either give you advice or they'll come along to the event. And, uh, you know, that's how Laurie and I met, isn't it, at, at an event? <laughs> you came to my book launch, didn't you? So. Well, sadly, that's all we've got time for. Um, so thank you for listening to our mini with psychologist Philippa East. Um, Philippa writes novels that really put the psychological into psychological suspense. And uh, you can find a link to both of her novels, Little White Lies and Safe and Sound, in the description. Do check them out because they're absolutely fabulous books. And thank you so much, Philippa, for giving us your
1: time today. You're yes. welcome. Thank you so much. Um, and if you haven't listened to already, then do look at Philippa's full In Suspense interview, um, which is on Author Wellbeing, which is series four, episode three.
0: So that's it from us. It's goodbye from Philippa. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from them.